For years, Minky Couture has been donating blankets to NICUs across the country. Owner Sandy Henry's grandson was born at 30 weeks, and she placed a mini blanket in her grandson's incubator. We want to help other NICU families with the Heart of Minky program. For every adult-sized blanket purchased, Minky Couture will donate a mini-sized blanket to NICUs across the nation. Thanks to you, we can fulfill our dream to blanket the world. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Panther Puri. I'm your host, TJ Peterson, joined by Alex Lopez. Jake is in the air right now, unable to join us for this quick update edition. And the Florida Panthers roster has come out today, and it is only 20 players. Uh, yesterday, we were surprised to see that Lucas Carlson and Alexi Hepaniemi, among a few others, were placed on waivers. They cleared waivers today. And not only did the Panthers not have anybody claimed on waivers, they claimed a defenseman on waivers from Anaheim. And I'm, I'm forgetting their name, Josh Mahura. I just remembered it. Uh, he's 24 years old, left-handed defenseman who has struggled there, but he's going to get an opportunity in Florida for sure. Alex, what is the uh, big takeaway from today to you? My big takeaway is what the hell was Bill Zito thinking not uh, doing something with Patrick Hornquist's contract? I mean, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom guy, but you literally have a roster that is $500,000 under the salary cap, and that have the bare minimum of players. I believe the Panthers are the only team in the NHL with the bare minimum of players on their opening day roster to be cap compliant. That's my main takeaway, and then we'll you know bring it back here. I'm surprised by the Lucas Carlson move. He was pretty good to very good in terms of expectations last year. And to see him get waived, I thought for sure he would be claimed. I was pleasantly surprised he got through. I was extremely su surprised Alexi Hepaniemi got through because that screams the type of player that an Arizona or a Montreal, a team that is in a complete rebuild and is just going to take a flyer and hope they get lucky on a player, you know, a young player who gets squeezed out like Hepaniemi was. So I was very happy to see him get through waivers. But yeah, um, the Panthers are in a really bad spot with the salary cap right now. Like they have, they don't have the room to do anything. It's bad. Mm -hmm. It's not good. And I mean, provided that somebody gets injured and they, it is not a, a situation that the Panthers can use long-term injury reserve for. They're in a situation where they realistically have three options, none of which are really all that appealing. One is play with 19 players in a game. Another is risks losing somebody on waivers in order to make space to call up two players. And the third is wave Patrick Hornquist, which they've shown no real desire to 
you know, not have him around because if, you know, if, if you're okay with him not playing games in order to make some cap space, you would have bought him out because that would have opened up $3.4 million of cap space this year. And even though it would have cost you 1.7 next year, it's way more, it's way easier to stomach that next year, as opposed to this year where you have the Yandel money on the cap as well. So, you know, th- th- this is, a situation that is not entirely of Zito's making. Obviously he did not sign Yandel. He didn't sign Bobrovsky to the $10 million contract that had a no movement clause, but you know, at the same time, he knew that this was going to happen if he did not buy out Patrick Hornquist or trade him. And there doesn't really seem to be an alternate option that has, you know, gotten rid of a lot of the problems that this will create. Like I said, they're in a situation where they're going to have to waive Patrick Hornquist anyway, in order to have a full lineup if somebody gets hurt, but doesn't go on LTIR. And the frustrating thing is you can only like for the people who don't understand, you can only bury 1.25 million in cap space so uh on each on each contract so like, even if work was set down you don't get five million considering they're using ltir because that five hundred thousand is gone they didn't they didn't maneuver the cap well enough deep like look on cap friendly that's all i can really tell you before they use their ltir to create as much space as possible vancouver for as much as i shit on a on that organization for how poorly they're run they literally created a perfect cap situation. Their cap is bad in terms of they have bad contracts, but they literally, between the guys they moved up, moved down, put on injured reserve, used up all of their available cap space before they got. They started using LTIR to absolutely maximize the amount of space they had. The Panthers do that. The cap is, I think, $82.5 million, right, TJ? Yes, it is. So what the Panthers did is they essentially had a roster – at eighty-two million plus the three million of Duclair that's on the that's going on LTIR. So now what the Panthers are allowed to have to do allowed to have is a roster up to eighty-five million in cap space when you include Duclair. So that's how Duclair is still on the roster and the Panthers are compliant. Now if the Panthers had, you know, moved some guys up and down and made the cap work, they could have gotten up to eighty-five point five. If they would have done that, they'd have an extra $500,000 to play with. And when you move Ornquist down, you would have now created essentially 1.75 in cap space that you could use to bring in a player or bring in two players, two players at 750. But at 1.25, the math doesn't work. So mm-hmm. the Panthers really didn't do a good job with the cap today. I mean, I'm not sure who their capologist is, but – they get a D for today because they didn't, you know, I mean, maybe it was impossible, but they left $500,000 in cap on the table. And just like you said, one of the positions they're going to be in this year is they're going to have, you know, if someone gets nicked up on opening night, Friday's game against uh, whoever the next opponent is, they're just going to have to play with 17 skaters because they don't have the cap space to call someone up. They, they can create it though. If they wave Hornquist, then they can call up two other guys. But no, they can only well that. But that's my entire point, TJ. Is they can only call up one guy because it only creates one point two five million in space. But and the Panthers are capped out. 
they so they they don't have any cap right now so they can't so if the they, he sends he sent have down zero cap because they're using on okay so i misunderstood that they said so they sent down everyone i mean maybe i got it wrong here but they sent down everybody possible and got to 85 million in cap and that include that's before declare goes on ltir putting declare on ltir brings them to 82 million in cap space but they don't have 500,000 in cap space no they don't because they utilize ltir at least that's my read on it that's my interpretation of it that's why it's so important to get right up to 82.5 plus whatever you're going to use on ltir yeah and they could have done it it would have just been a paper move to wave hornquist but you know, for whatever reason, they didn't do it. I, I don't really want to read into it too much because we just don't know uh, the reasoning behind that. And so, as you said, because of this cap crunch, the Panthers were not able to offer a contract to Eric Stahl. Uh, it's, it's cryptic right now as to whether or not, like, if there is cap space that's opened up, that he'll be on this roster or what's to come here. What's your take on that? His gear is still in the locker room. So I think the intention is we once we figure out a way to create some cap space, you know, you're going to have have a job. I mean, maybe the plan is like, the, you know, the guys like Nick Cousins, Colin White, and Rudolph Balsers, though I think Rudolph Balsers has pretty much, you know, earned himself a job considering he's looked the best of those three. Like, yeah. Uh, but like maybe the, maybe the plan is to have that, those three guys keep battling and then when you decide, like, hey, it's Colin White or Nick Cousins, you're really not working out. One of those guys gets waved slash sent down, and that creates the space for Eric Stahl. That's my only guess because there's no other there's no other cap space to make other than Patrick Hornquist. Yep, and they already you know didn't do that. Like, I guess it could happen at the at the eleventh hour, but. That would be shocking, wouldn't it? Like, given that they had the whole summer to do this and that was really their one move and they didn't do it. You know, there, there's nobody else on this team other than Bobrovsky, who has a no movement clause with a, a contract that's really like more than that player is actually worth on the ice. It's 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 just Hornquist. So if you're trading somebody else, you're hurting the team at the same time. Yeah, and all the people you would trade are guys you need. Yeah. Like you're not you're not trading you're not trading Brandon Montour at his three point five. You're not trading Radko Gudis at his two point five because those are pretty market friendly contracts and you're already thin as hell on defense. All of your forwards other than Patrick Hornquist are either on extremely team friendly deals or market value deals. So there's nothing you can do. No. And I really don't see a way out. Unless LTIR, you know, somebody else gets hurt. That's the only way out. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. The only, yeah, no, that's it. The only way out is a forward with a, sub, a substantial cap. It goes on LTIR, but then again, you're creating the problem of the only forward that can go on LTIR that does not hurt the team substantially. That is Patrick Cornquist. That would actually create any real cap space. And, Right. It's it's the same. All roads lead back to Patrick Hornquist's cap hit is a problem. Yep. And I mean, it, it wasn't dealt with, but I mean, at the same time, 
you had very team-friendly contracts in Huberto and Uyghur that were only for this year, and they were traded away, and the Hornquist contract was not moved. So in that sense, you can kind of read between the lines and see that Bill Zito is not building a team to win this year's Stanley Cup as much as trying to be competitive in the next, we'll say, eight years, because that's how long Matthew Kachuk is signed here. And it's also true for Barkov. And when you have those guys signed for eight years, you can probably feel pretty good about being competitive for, you know, at least six of those years. I mean, that's when Matthew Kachuk will be 30 and Barkov will be 33. So you'll probably start to see some decline then. But up until then, at least you have them and you can't really be too upset about that. But, you know, some of the other things that yeah. they could have done were not were not done. And you do have to question that. It just would have really made sense for all parties involved if Patrick Hornquist was bought out. But they decided not to do it. They have their reasons, I'm sure. But it doesn't really seem to make sense on the surface. And I think we can leave it at that, right? Yeah, I mean, I think my final thought on it would be it seems that Bill Zito went into this offseason with a plan of what he wanted to do with this roster, but not really a plan of how he wanted to manage the cap. Or maybe that plan was like exactly like you said, 2022, 2023, like we're going to have to take it on the chin a bit. Whatever happens, happens. And I don't want to do anything to waste any cap space in 23, 24 which, you know, which is why he didn't buy Horkers. That's the only guess. Cause like, I just didn't, you know, I saw a plan for the future of the organization. I did not see a cap plan because we're in a situation opening night with 20 guys on the roster. And it's like, yeah, Nick Cousins at 1.1 is a value. Colin White at 1.2 is a value, but you know, maybe two guys at 750 opens up an extra 450 in cap space. And I'm doing real quick math on the top of my head. So I'm probably off by a little bit there, but you know, that plus that 500,000 you had is another 750 player and you can have a 21 person roster at least to start the year. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, math is not that fun, especially in this context. So I think that we can stop talking about the math there. Let's talk about Josh Mahura real quick coming in from Anaheim uh, on waivers. He's 24 years old. He was a prospect that they thought highly of for a little while, but he never really became anything. Uh, he did not make their team, which is why he's on waivers. It's not a money situation or anything like that. He just wasn't one of their best defensemen, but he comes in and potentially could be a fit in this system. He's good at carrying the puck according to the advanced metrics that, you know, the micro stats that we like to look at, but, uh, you know, a lot of red on that hockey biz chart on the defensive side, which, you know, could present an issue. This team is already not not the strongest in terms of the defensive depth, and I don't know how many guys there are that can really cover for him. But you know, it's another it's another lottery ticket, much like Gustav Forsling was, and of course that worked out very well, despite no real signs that it would at the time of the waiver claim. You know that that's all I can really say about it to uh, make it seem like a good move. I mean, it, I, I think it's fine. You know, you, you want to take chances. That's that's not what I'm trying to say. It's like, oh, this is such a bad move and I'm sugarcoating it. I think it's completely fine to take chances on guys like that. You never know when you're going to strike gold. But, you know, it, it seems like they got like a one in 10 shot or something like that with this guy because of the, the analytics. 
Yeah, I mean, you kind of tweeted it out from the main or not, kind of you did tweet it out from the main account earlier today where you were like, hey, Gustav Forsling's analytics were actually very similar. Like it was shockingly similar what Forsling's analytics were compared to Mahura. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be the next Gustav Forsling. The reality is just like you said, you're, t- you're, you're, you're signing a lotto ticket here. For every Gustav Forsling, there's a Noah Juleson and uh, Ole Eleven. I know that was a trade, but it's the same kind of thing. Like you're hoping to strike gold, and I guess the thought process is like, hey, we know we've got with Lucas Carlson. I disagree. I think Carlson's a solid player and should have been on the t- team. And But, you know, they know what they've got in Carlson. They know what they've got in Matt Kierstead, even though he is injured and on injured, uh, he's going to be on injured reserve to start the season. Let's take a shot on Mahura to play, you know, bottom pairing minutes, you know, 12 minutes a night and see what we get for the first couple of weeks while he's required to be on the opening night roster before he can be sent down, waved and sent down again. Take a shot. If we get another Gustav Forsling, outstanding. Our problems are, are solved. If not, there's still a defensive problem. He gets waived and either goes back to Anaheim or ends up in Charlotte. Yeah. And I just hope that the situation doesn't become like too difficult for him. Like, let's say that a defenseman gets injured and they're not able to call up another defenseman and they have to play with five defensemen. That's not a situation where I feel like you can truly evaluate what he's going to be like on this team in a long-term role that's just such a different thing to ask of a player to play for 1.2 defensemen or whatever, you know? Uh, so hopefully, yeah. hopefully the defense stays healthy. You know, I guess that if, if one of the guys goes down, it would have to be, I can't even remember who's going to be playing with on the third pairing. I guess it would only Mark Stahl would really present that issue if he went down with an injury. So if one of the other guys go down, you have the LTIR cap to call up somebody. Uh, although I guess if they don't go on LTIR, you know, the pr- the problem still presents itself. So basically forget everything I just said. It was stupid. Anything that you want to say about the, how the preseason wrapped up before we kick it to the interview with Doug Plagans? I don't put much stock, if any, into preseason. The results don't matter. I mean, I got into a fight on Facebook with someone who was like upset that we lost to Tampa. And I'm like, uh, who cares? The only thing I will say that concerned me is the defense did not look good. Like, it just – they're going to miss Mackenzie Weger this year. And after the top pairing of Forsling Ekblad, like, it's rough. So they cannot afford an injury to either one, either Forsling or Ekblad at all this year. Like, you need 164 combined games from those two. And that's not happening. Like, I'm, I'm willing to say on record that that is not going to happen. One of them is going to get injured. Yeah. And, you know, in all likelihood, both of them probably won't play the full 82. So, you know, very few players do. If you look at all of the, you know, the mathematical models and such, they, they present a pretty rosy picture, but I, you know, though I typically do align with them, I, I can't say that I feel the same way. Like most of them have Panthers either first or second in the division and we'll talk about where I have them finishing later, but it's not there. And I think that it's such a precarious situation, not only with the cap, but with the depth. Like you said, they only really have 
two legitimate top four NHL guys, and then they have two more that can do in a pinch, and we'll see what we got in Josh Mahura and, you know, Mark Stahl's a veteran presence, whatever, whatever. You know, all you can do is throw your hands up and say, this is this is what we got. You know, there's no changing it. They don't have assets. They don't have cap space. This is what we got. Yeah, they literally have no options. They're, yeah, it's, I mean, they, between... Between Yandel and what, whatever that goalie's name is, who's I'm blanking on, they have essentially seven million in dead cap, and then Yand, oh, not Yandel, Hornquist is another five point three for what's essentially a minimum level player. Like you have McDavid's contract in bad cap right now, and we haven't even talked about Bobrovsky. That all adds up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Bobrovsky is the ultimate. You can't do anything about it because of the no movement clause. But uh, I want to wrap up by saying that the situation, even though it's not changing anytime soon, we're, we're talking about it negatively because we had higher expectations. But if you take the bird's eye view, especially as a Florida Panthers fan, thinking back to a season where you'd get excited about the idea of being five points back with two games in hand, because this team has just so infrequently reached the playoffs or even really been a serious playoff contender. This is still a pretty solid situation. You just got to take your yourself back from the president's trophy winning season and, and, you know, having a, a core in place that looked like it was set to be a dominant team in the league for years to come. And right now it looks like they're taking a bit of a step back to take a step forward next year. And hopefully they can weaponize that cap space they have to bring in some of the free agents or maybe make a trade with one of their prospects because they don't have picks. Hopefully one of those prospects breaks out so they can dangle them for one of the big names that might be available then. And they'll, they'll have the cap space and who knows two years, maybe Austin Matthews is wearing a Florida Panthers Jersey. Time will tell. Uh, Yeah. I mean, just remember guys, we're grading on a curve here. Uh, Exactly what TJ said, you know, Three years ago, we would have been thrilled to be five points out, two games in hand. We're grading on a curve. This is a, now an organization with expectations. We both still expect this to be a comfortable playoff team. So that's you know that's just where we are. We're yeah. grading on a curve. This still should be a strong year. But yeah, that's uh, that's it for this uh, for this small episode. We're gonna kick it now to our uh, interview with Doug Plagans, where I once again yell at him for not liking soup because soup is delicious and uh, thanks for listening guys spoiler alert that's like that's his thing like he is the literal soup the real life soup nazi no soup for me like it doesn't make sense we'll we'll get his explanation on it anyway here's doug plagans to help us preview the upcoming season for the panthers Welcome, everyone, to a very special season preview edition of Panther Paris. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jacob Langsam. Just kidding. This is actually TJ Peterson. No. Joined no, no, as, no. Stop as trying always. to steal my identity. <laughs> <laughs> identity theft is not a joke. I apologize. Uh, joined by <laughs> Jacob Langsam and Alex Lopez, as always. And we've got a very special guest with us this time it's radio play-by-play voice of the florida panthers doug plagans doug i think that your first season was our first season as well so just just looking back on it that's seven years that you've been with the panthers right like how do you describe just the whole experience of being here 
Well, seven going on eight. This is season number eight for me in the booth. First thing that comes to mind, aside from thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Great to, <laughs> of course. Uh, thanks great for coming to be on. here as always. But um, first thing that comes to mind is, my goodness, time's flying. I think that's the first thing that comes to mind that uh, we're already going into my eighth season here. But uh, I think the thing that stands out the most, and it's one of my favorite things about being able to do what I do, is being able to see some players develop from, you know, guys with huge potential to stars to superstar players. And that's what we've got here with what we've seen from Barkov and Ekblad uh, over the course of the time that I've been here. Uh, I know I got here for Ekblad's second year, Barkov's third year. And uh, and now they're franchise cornerstones and you throw in another superstar player like Matthew Kachuk and the potential for this group is just off the charts. There's no doubt this team has seen over the last couple of years what it's capable of. Everybody in the marketplace knows what they're capable of. And they've solidified themselves as a, a contender, a legitimate contender for the Stanley Cup. And uh, And I know we're just all really excited to see what's next for this group. But uh, but again, being able to watch some of these guys grow into the players that they've become, that's been a thrill. And to be able to see the uh, the other pieces fall into place around them and build out what's one of the best teams in the National Hockey League, one of the most balanced and deepest teams in the National Hockey League in the Florida Panthers. Uh, it's been awesome, and I can't wait to see where things go from here. Yeah, it really has been quite a rise since you did join in. I mean – when you took the job, this was an organization that, you know, making the playoffs would not only be seen as a successful year, it would be like a year to remember. Everybody would like go out and buy the DVD because there were still DVDs back then. And now it's an expectation. And it's it's a little bit more of a doubt this year, though, for some people, maybe because of the trade that we saw Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weger go out the door in addition to our favorite Cole Schwint, who we have learned who he is now and a, a first round Please? pick to acquire <laughs> Matthew Kachuk. And, you know, I, I'm just fascinated to get like, where were you when you saw the news or like, you know, somebody informed you that it was going down and in, in light of that trade, how did your expectations for this upcoming season change? Because by that point, we kind of expected the rosters to be pretty much in place, and then everything had to be changed. Well, a couple of things going off of uh, what you just said. But before you got to talking about the trade, you talk about the expectation. And I think it just goes with the, the culture that's been instilled and the kind of guys that Bill Zito has, has brought in here during his, uh, during his time as the, the general manager. You talk about the trade – I found out when everybody else did. I was uh, it was a Friday night at the end of July, and I think I was just sitting on the couch watching TV, probably waiting for uh, for that eleven o'clock Seinfeld block to come on the CW South Florida because that's what I tend to watch when I'm sitting around at home at night. So uh, I think I was getting ready to watch that, and I saw the news uh, the news come down. And when you look at a trade like that, to echo what Bill Zito said at Matthew Kachuk's introductory press conference. First of all, the chance to acquire a player like Matthew Kachuk doesn't come up every single day. And he's a 40-goal, 100-point talent, as we saw last year, who's also going to get in your face and be uh, a vocal, just ball of energy for this Panthers team. And a guy that is no doubt going to 
make it, it he's it's gonna it's gonna be a presence that reverberates throughout the entire team but it's also going to be uh, a huge a huge chip for the Panthers come playoff time guys that play like that guys that are in your face guys that play that uh, that physical brand uh, no doubt he figures to really be a help for the Panthers all regular season but also when they get into the playoffs because as I said this, this is a, a team that's built to compete for Stanley Cups now, at the same time, you have to give up something to get something. And I think this is one of the rare trades where you look at it, both teams went into this trade with something in mind, and both teams walked away from this trade feeling pretty good about what they had accomplished. And obviously, Matthew Kachuk has gotten the extension here, but you know, it, you're going you're gonna to look at the comparisons between the, the player the Panthers got, Matthew Kachuk, and you know, the, the star forward that went the other way, Jonathan Huberto. Uh, five years younger, Matthew Kachuk. Uh, of course, Huberto got his extension with Calgary as well. But uh, for one, Matthew Kachuk's going to be locked in for his prime years. He's uh, going to be a huge part of this Panthers team moving forward. I know I can't wait to see the Matthew Kachuk era begin here with the Florida Panthers. And and I think that's the big thing to remember. It's, uh, you know, he, he's a guy that can change the DNA of a hockey team. There aren't many guys across the league. I mean, there are a ton of elite players and guys that jump off the page at you because of the all-world skill sets that they have. But, you know, there, there aren't a ton of guys where you look at a roster sheet and you see a name and you think, well, we're, this is not going to be an easy one tonight because we're going to have to deal with this guy. And Matthew Kachuk is one of those guys, and the Panthers are excited that he's on their team. You look at you know, we've been saying that for years when you've looked at the Boston Bruins and see Brad Marchand's name on the roster, or you look at Ottawa and you see Matthew's brother Brady on the roster. You just think, okay, these, this isn't going to be an easy one. This is a guy that can uh, really just it, give a real injection of energy and just uh, be a, a real boost in the attitude that this team brings to the table. Uh, a great ad for the Panthers, Matthew Kachuk, and I can't wait to see him in a Panthers uniform. And, hey, he said the day he was introduced, I had a chance to talk to him, and I know he he said that when he played for the Flames, he, he hated Edmonton. Now he hates Tampa even more. Uh, also, he said uh, when I asked him about coming to play for the Panthers and, you know, just being here in the environment and the surroundings, and he said he's, he's not just here to wear flip-flops and swim in the ocean. He's here to win, and uh, that really stood out to me as well. Yeah, I mean, you nailed right on the head right there with the uh, Brad Marchand, Brady Kachuk, Sean Avery, all these different pests. I mean, I have so many vivid memories of Brad Marchand doing pest-like crap to the Panthers, never getting called for it. And it always ended up with, like, the Bruins getting a power play or scoring a Kegel. Hell, I remember a game it was in overtime, and you might have called this one, Dougie. Panthers were going in on a 2-1-1. Puck goes into the corner. Marshawn covers it with his hand and then immediately pick like as the Panther skates by so they can't play the puck and then takes his hand off of it, passes it up the boards and the Bruins score on a breakaway and probably Bergeron to win the game. And I'm sitting there screaming at my TV at the officials that they don't call a delay a game. And it's like, there's Marshawn again. And that's exactly what the Panthers are going to get with Kachuk is someone who is going to make those plays that, are going to get under your opponent's skin, get under the fan base's skin, and I can't wait. Oh, he's he's the ultimate competitor. And and the other thing, aside from just what he does on the ice, I got to say, too, it was the first time I'd ever had a chance to talk to him one-on-one, -on -one and just what a what a great guy. What just a, an awesome guy to talk to. And I, I picked that up the day, that, uh, the day he was introduced. And, 
And again, he's he just brings such an attitude, a confidence, but also a competitiveness and a will to win that is off the charts. And you throw him in with a guy like Sam Bennett, who he knows very well from his time in Calgary. Uh, a guy like Ryan Lomberg, who's obviously become a fan favorite here. Radko Gudis, Hornquist, guys <laughs> like this. This Panthers team has a real attitude and a real sandpaper to it. And there's a reason people refer to Matthew Kachuk as, uh, you know, kind of a unicorn because not only is he going to get in your face every night, but he's got the ability to score 40, 40 goals and tack on 100 points with regularity. So uh, I know for, for a lot of fans around the Atlantic division, uh, you know, they're, they're uh, not going to look forward to Matthew Kachuk coming into their building throughout the season, but Panthers fans are absolutely going to love this guy. Be honest, you already have a whole bunch of uh, unicorn references ready to go, don't you? You know, I, I kind of let things happen on the fly. I haven't been uh, I haven't been doing my unicorn research, but uh, maybe I should. <laughs> yeah, I, I have enjoyed a lot of the comparisons from fans, and we haven't seen Kachuk and Barkov play together too much just yet. Uh, but there is kind of that Marshawn Bergeron comparison to be made there uh, with Kachuk and Barkov. So I, I think it's going to be really exciting to see where Kachuk lands in the lineup. Like you said, Doug, it is looking like he's going to uh, begin the season with former Calgary teammate Sam Bennett, with whom he has had quite a bit of success uh, in about, uh, I think it was about 300 or so five-on-five -five minutes together. Do we think that Kachuk is, is going to remain a, uh, a second line kind of, I mean, we saw Huberto there last season as well, and it helped the depth, uh, the scoring depth for this team tremendously. Do we, do we like Kachuk Bennett or do we, do we want to see Kachuk Barkov or are we just totally not even speculating there? Well, you know, well, I, I part of you, you cut out there for a little bit of that, but I think in terms of just, in terms of where he would slot in, I think for one, you, you can't read too much into line number one, line number two, line number three, especially when you have a team as deep with as many, uh, as many offensive weapons as the Panthers have. Uh, they've got a real luxury in that regard that they've got a, a deep attack and a lot of guys that they can turn to for production on a night to night basis. And, you know, if you're, if you're playing against the Panthers, you can't just hone in on one line and expect to be able to win the hockey game. Uh, as far as the way things have gone in camp, uh, Paul Maurice has done a, a heck of a job just getting guys into a lot of different situations, a lot of different combinations, really surveying everything and looking at, you know, for example, looking at Kachuk with, uh, with Bennett, Kachuk with Barkov, looking at Anton Lundell at center, his natural position, but also looking at him on the wing a little bit to see if that would be an option at some point. And, and, you know, there are just a lot of different combinations that have been put together. Uh, maybe still a little early to, def to definitively say, you know, exactly where a guy is going to fall. But I think the one thing you look at, and it was, it was a trait, a luxury for the Panthers last year, and it's going to be again. It's a balanced attack and an attack that's going to be able to beat you in a lot of different ways from a lot of different offensive sources and it's a real luxury uh, for this team to have going into uh, into the new season. So, uh, again, the Panthers are going to try a lot of different looks they have throughout the preseason. Uh, they're going to try, you know, guys at, uh, at the wing. They're going to try guys in the middle. We'll see where things uh, fall into place once the season gets going. 
But, uh, you know, over the course of the year, the one thing that this is something else we've talked about quite a bit, whether it's on our podcast, Territory Talk, or, you know, in other different places. But you look over the course of the last couple of years, and, I mean, I would expect that out of Matthew Kachuk, A, because he's such a talented player, but, B, you look at the players that Bill Zito's added to the mix here over the last couple of years, going back to the, uh, you know, the end of the season a couple seasons ago when Sam Bennett and Brandon Montour came in. Last year, Sam Reinhart coming in first year with the team. Going back a couple of years to what Carter Verhage and Anthony Duclair did in their first year with the team. This Panthers group has traits that just really lend itself well to guys being able to come in and make an immediate impact, uh, you know, without much of a learning curve. Uh, it just seems to be a group that has a, a great chemistry, a great culture. It's such a welcoming environment off the ice. And clearly that's translated onto the ice because guys have been able to come in here and make an immediate impact and achieve immediate success and find chemistry with a multitude of line mates right out of the gate. It, it's really been something to see. And, and like I said, I think that alone it, with this group, it doesn't matter where you play, you're going to be excited with who you're getting to play with. And it's uh, it's rare to, to be on a team that has that kind of depth and balance. Mm -hmm. And you could even say that about the goaltending, though they don't have like a goaltending, you know, pair that plays together. I, I don't think that you're going to be going into any of the 82 games this year thinking, well, you know, it, oh, it's Bob. Oh, it's night. We're screwed tonight. Like both of those guys you feel confident about going into this year. I mean, Knight is the great white hope of goaltenders, especially Americans and Bob two-time Vesna coming off a great year. You're going to feel pretty good about whoever's in net, but I wanted to ask you, since we're talking about depth, let's play a little bit of fill in the blank. I want you to fill in the blank on blank was here last year, but he looks like a whole new player at this year's camp. And I had no idea that blank was this good because he wasn't on the Panthers. So I think if we, uh, the first one, everybody, you know, everybody's looked really good. You could tell there's just a hunger uh, coming into camp this year. Um, and I was already thinking about responding to what you're saying about the goalie. So you want to know just in particular, who's really stood out this year of the guys that were here, who's taken a step is what you're asking. And, uh, and also, uh, you know, a newcomer who's, who's made an, uh, made an impact. Okay. So, if we're talking about, uh, like I said, everybody's looked so good and the guys have gone really hard in camp. And it's like I said, it's been a tough training camp and, uh, and that's been by design, but uh, you know, if you had to go up and down the lineup um, for one, I can tell you right now, like, and we've known this about them, but every time I watch, Spencer Knight play I just find something even in a practice I just find something new to admire uh in his game for a young player uh just from the second the Panthers drafted him you can just tell just such a a calm cool guy a comment on the goaltending because that was uh you mentioned that as well but goaltending certainly a position of strength for the Panthers and there's nobody I know Tampa Bay has Vasilevsky and uh, you know a lot of people look at him as one of the biggest game changers in the National Hockey League but as far as a tandem goes, as far as two guys you can turn to and being an overall position of strength, the Panthers have the deepest one-two, I guess, the 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 best one-two, I'd say, in the Atlantic division with Bobrovsky and Knight. And that's going to do wonders for this team heading down the stretch into the playoffs because you look at teams that have had success in recent years. Uh, when St. Louis won it, they had Bennington and Jake Allen. When Washington won it, they had Holtby and Grubauer. When you have two goalies 
it gives you two options as, so there's there's a luxury there in and of itself but it also uh it also allows you the ability all season long to keep both guys fresh in the event that you need to turn to one or the other come playoff time so uh sergey bobrovsky outstanding last year great in the playoffs I expect him to be totally locked in once again. Spencer Knight outstanding last year. It's going to be a true position of strength in the Panthers, as you said, are going to have uh, they're going to have a goaltender giving them a chance to win each and every night, no matter who it is. Uh, you know, as far as guys just that stand out, I think sometimes you go into camp and you tend to look at the at the young guys. And like I said, Spencer Knight every every day you find something to just admire about him for the way he's just the way he commands his position at such a young age. Anton Lindell is going to be a star in the National Hockey League sooner rather than later. Uh, and again, just coming in second year, he's got that year of experience under his belt. And can you believe it? He just turned 21 two days ago. Uh, the plays that he makes and the way he's trusted on the ice and just the way he handles himself for a guy who just turned 21. When I was his age, I was just excited that I had a car on campus. And, uh, <laughs> and you look at the way he's progressing in the National Hockey League. Um, this is a guy who's going to be a star at Tulo Uh, I know that, uh, he's, he's really drawn some great praise in, in training camp for a, a guy who also, it's easy to forget how young he is as well. Uh, the Panthers got him in that trade with Carolina a couple of years back. And, uh, and today Paul Maurice said after practice, they envisioned him as a, as the top nine guy, the way that, uh, the way that he's been able to play and he's shown the ability he can play in the middle or on the wing, depending on, uh, on where the need is and has a, a really smart two-way game about him as well. So, you know, those are, though I, I tend to look at the young guys in camp. They've all done a great job, but everybody's looked so good in this camp. And like I said, there's just been such a, a business-like approach and a hunger uh, from the second the guys stepped onto the ice. You know, if we're talking about a, a newcomer coming in, uh, we've known just how steady and, and how reliable Mark Stahl is over the course of his career. Uh, he's played a lot with Brandon Montour, and I love that pair if that sticks together. But uh, Mark Stahl just gives you so much in terms of just that calm, veteran, steady presence on the back end. You know what you're going to get out of him every single night. Certainly love having him in a Panthers uniform. And uh, I'm excited to see what Rudolph's Balsers can bring to the table. Uh, you know, if he gets a, a big, you know, a, a bigger opportunity and some more minutes than he's had at, you know, other times in his career, but looking forward to seeing what kind of a splash uh, he can make. Because as I said earlier, so many guys have come to this Panthers team and been able to make an immediate impact because it's just a, a group that has a, a great chemistry and a ton of collective skill. I've said it multiple times, but there aren't many teams in the league where, you know, if you're in that for that group of forwards, Wherever they put you, you're excited because you're saying, I get to play with, you know, that guy. There's so much depth and, uh, and so many different weapons on this team. Yep, absolutely. And uh, I know Jake is going to like all the praise that you gave Rudolph Balsers. Whenever Jake and Bill Zeter are aligned on a player, usually it means they're about to go from making a million dollars a year <laughs> to like maybe quadruple that. Uh, we're running Should a little bit short on time. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, we're running a little bit short on time, so let's get a few rapid-fire questions in here. First, I was really trying to figure this out. Maybe you would have a better idea. Which Panther has the closest musical taste to Doug Plagans? I, you know, I, I haven't had a chance to ask around. Um, I'll, I'll have to. That's something I'm going to have to dig into. I should also mention I'm kind of bad at rapid fire because I'm naturally long-winded. So it's, just, <laughs> it's like it's like it's like finding the guy that's really good at running marathons and then you tell him to go run a sprint. Uh, you know, I, I, but uh, so I'll do the best I can with the uh, with the rapid fire. But 
I'm going to have to ask around. That's a good, uh, that's a good question. Um, but we'll have to see if anybody out there likes their punk rock and metal. I hope so. Uh, what would be your goal song since Panthers are doing individual goal songs this year? My goal song, you know, I haven't ever thought too much about my goal song. I've spent, I've thought more about what my WWE entrance music would be <laughs> than what my, uh, what my goal song would be. Um, and those are pretty similar though. Yeah. I think that you got to go with the same one. You think it would be the same. And I, I'm still sort of, and I'm, I still, after like 15 years of contemplating in my mind, when I get bored, what would my WWE entrance music be? I still don't think I've ever settled on one. So, you know, I give a shout out to my, my friend, Justin Foley, who's the drummer for kill switch engage, but I'd probably pick one of their songs to serve, to serve in all purposes. All right. Solid. Uh, What's your favorite line that you can share from your speech at Jameson's wedding? My favorite line. Uh, well, so I was, I was kind of like, I was like the master of ceremonies. So, which was, which I, so at the beginning, um, you know, I said the thank yous and introduced the bridal party and, uh, you know, said it, it recognized the parents and the grandparents and, and things like that. And like I said, I, congratulations to them, two of the best people I know. And, uh, and it was just an honor. It meant the world to be able to contribute to their special day in uh, in any way as far as like we did something that and this is kind of an idea i think i i maybe brought to the table and we ended up employing it but for the first time uh i we announced the scratches uh i said <laughs> we went we went through the we went through the the bridal party as if it was a starting lineup but before that before we got to the starting lineup i said let's Let's get to the RSVPs no for the evening. And we rattle off a couple of people who <laughs> weren't able to great. make it. And among those, I dropped in. And also Uncle Ned's kids couldn't make it. And there yes. were a fair number of people who caught the Wedding Crashers reference. That's outstanding, Doug. That is great. So I, I every time I every time I go anywhere near a wedding, I make an Uncle Ned's kids reference for some. I just that stands out from Wedding <laughs> Crashers for me. That's really great. All right, my turn for a couple of rapid fire questions. What do we got to do to get you to drop a Rudolph the Red Nose Panther reference during uh, Christmas time? I it, that maybe that'll come into play. I I, I don't know. I, I hadn't thought of that one, but uh, maybe we'll have to write that one down. There we go. Look at this. I'm coming up with content for you all year, Doug. <laughs> And then now the one I'm sure you're used to getting from every time you do an interview. How do you hate soup? Okay, so, well, I got to tell you, too. First off, we've had a chance to talk to Rudolph's Balsers a few times. Great guy, great, uh, great conversation. So, you guys, Panthers fans, you're going to enjoy hearing from him uh, throughout the campaign. Soup, uh, yeah, haven't had it since winter of 96. And... (laughs) I have not been interested in revisiting soup. Uh, I just would rather my food not be floating in a hot, salty water. So I like my food to be solid on a plate. Well, but what if it's like a cheese-based soup, like the cheese soup that they serve every year at uh, Food and Wine in Disney is like, like the best thing ever. There's no water in that. It's cheese and beer. I, I'm just the whole the whole concept. I, I mean. It's a wonder I even drink hot coffee. I just hot liquids just don't really do it for me. But you know, you 
you go to all these cold weather places and sometimes you, you can't order a cold brew in Winnipeg when it's 25 below zero. So uh, yeah, especially press boxes, those get really cold. So they, they, and sometimes that can be chilly and, you know, so uh, hot beverages, I'd say the closest to soup I get. And like I said, it's just, I've just never approached soup uh, since that uh, incident back in 96, but <laughs> the closest I'll get to soup is oatmeal. I do really like oatmeal. I what like oatmeal chili? too. Do you consider chili a soup? I don't do chili, but here, I also am not, I'm also, I just, I'm not a big uh, bean guy. I don't really like beans. It's got to be, you. it's got to be a no bean chili. I'll do chili as a topping, as a condiment, but mm. I'm not eating it out of a bowl. And, uh, and, and yeah, like I said, uh, it's, I made, I, I, ha I lost my train of thought there. I was going to address something else uh, in addition to the chili. I don't do beans. The only kind of beans I eat, jelly beans. All there right. we go. But but I wholeheartedly agree with you. Beans do not belong in chili, but we got to wrap this I up. I could not we, disagree we've more. Up, we've taken up way too Before much Before we have time. a 30-minute fight about whether or not beans belong in chili. They do. But that's for our next. There's time. room no, in the for, world for both. That's I for our next that. episode. Every, everyone can have their own preference. But before we go, the most important question of all, Doug, what do you have to plug for us? What are you going to be doing this season that all the Panthers fans got to be checking out? We really need to know before you hop off. Well, and like I said, I, I want everybody to know if if for one reason or another, we all end up at a dinner table together or a lunch table at some <laughs> point in time. If everybody else orders soup, I don't mind. I just am not interested in consuming it. So it's not as if I can't like be within two feet of, I don't mind if somebody sitting next to me is eating soup. I'm just not going to make the decision to partake. So if everybody else wants soup and I opt for the salad, because usually you get one or the other, uh, unless it's Olive Garden and you get the whole combination of everything. And I just say, no, I'll, I'll, with, I'll, let, I'll keep the soup in the back, but I'll take the salad and the breadsticks. I don't mind if everybody else eats the soup. I'm just not going to eat the soup. As far as what we've got this season, you can catch us across the Panthers radio network as always. So you can listen on your radio. You can listen on your apps as well. The NHL app makes things so easy for everybody to tune in. You click that little headphone link up in the top corner and you select your feed off you go makes it so easy to tune in so the nhl app is an avenue if we have sirius xm subscribers out there a lot of folks may not even realize this if they've got a, a sirius xm subscription but on the sirius xm app channel 932 is always going to be the panthers broadcast so you can get you can get it on there if you have the sirius xm app every panthers game with our broadcast is on channel 932 if you have the SiriusXM app with your subscription. So something to keep an eye on there. As always, you can follow along Twitter and Instagram at Doug Plagans. Uh, on the road, morning skates. We're going to obviously be doing a lot of little fun videos throughout the year, trying to take you behind the scenes as much as we can. And, uh, and of course, on the Panthers Podcast Network, which you can, you can find Territory Talk and uh, all the connected programs, Panthers Pipeline, everything like that, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, we're always going to have weekly content coming your way there as well. Me and uh, my good friend, Jameson Olive. So uh, it never stops. Uh, you don't just get us on the games and you got your uh, Saturday morning Panthers insider shows throughout the season across the Panthers radio network as well. 
560 WQAM and across the Panthers radio network. So uh, again, the content doesn't stop. You can find us all over floridapanthers.com, the social media channels, the radio. Uh, we're going to be everywhere covering this uh, very talented con- Stanley Cup contender Panthers team every step of the way. And great to hear it. What One last thing, though. We do actually have a few international listeners. Does the NHL app work outside the U.S.? You know, that's I, I, I've never heard that it doesn't. I don't know that for sure. Um, but, yeah, the pick up the NHL app wherever you are. And, uh, and I know we do have listeners. I can tell you from the world-famous Twitter segment every second intermission, yep. last year we had at least semi-regular listeners from australia to greece to scotland to uh you know we had listeners in canada as well as right here in our general area and then across uh, the united states as well so i know we have people who listen overseas leads me to believe that app must work over there yeah we most of our listeners out outside the u.s are either in canada or finland so we'll have to see if those two countries become more prominent in the twitter section We've taken up way too much of your time thus far, Doug. So before we get into a 30-minute argument about soup, we're going to let you go. Thank you so much for joining us to help preview the Panthers season. Best of luck on 82 good broadcasts, entertaining games, no overtime so you get home early, all the good stuff. 82-plus playoffs, my friend. That's right. 82-plus playoffs. We are out. Thank you for listening. Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203.